listening to Hope for Today Church podcast. We're so glad that you're joining in this virtual space. We believe that as you listen, Jesus will minister to you right where you are. So open up your mind and your heart to what the word would say to you today. Thank you for joining us. And remember, Jesus is our hope for today. And so it's a blessing to be able to share God's word this afternoon. And so I'd like to open us up in a word of prayer. Uh, the Holy Spirit would speak through me and, and most importantly, speak and move in our hearts together this afternoon. Heavenly Father, as we gather before you this afternoon and as we look to your word with open hearts and minds, may you move upon us and within us as we seek your will and your wisdom for our very lives. We speak the name of Jesus over this place. Move within us, Lord, have your way. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Have you thanked God lately? Amen. Have you thanked him? You know, when you, when you think about all the good Dot, dot, dot. All the good that he has given you, there is much to be thankful for. You know, when you go outside, you, you walk out your, your front door on your front steps and you behold the land that he has given you. You thank God. You know, when you are with your family and you're driving down the road, as we were finally driving in a suitable sized vehicle where the whole family could get in together, you're thankful that God provides. Have you thanked him lately? You know, Carl, while he was worshiping, mentioned uh, the, the book of Revelations. In Revelation 4.11, it says, Our Lord and God, you are worthy to receive glory, honor, and power because you created all things, and by your will, they exist and were created. We exist because he created us. We exist, we move and have our being, but I'm thankful that he's continuing to do a new work with each one of us, amen? And we never wanna stop thanking him. Think about those blessings for a moment. Just think upon them. What are those good things? You know, we can come into this place and we can worship and, and praise his name, which includes all the, the riches of life that he's created for our enjoyment and all of its splendor. And so think about those various areas. Maybe it's the job that he's given you. Maybe you don't even work for a living. You're just having fun. And you can say, thank God for that, that what I'm doing, I actually enjoy. I don't dread it every day that I wake up. Maybe you can thank him for the, the spouse that you have. Is Megan still in here? No, thank you, Megan. I'm so glad that you, you chose me. <laughs> thankful for family. We're thankful for friends that we can share life with. And even for the gift and the ability to cultivate in life itself. In Acts 17, 28, we're told this, for in him we live and move and have our very being. Do you know it's the Lord that also gives you that ability, that, that power to gain even wealth? 
Now, sometimes that can get a, a bad rap in the church, but it's all about the motivations of our hearts. And we look here from the very beginning of God's covenant promise with his people of Israel, of which we've been grafted into a people of promise. Deuteronomy 8.18, it says, the Lord your God gives you the power to gain wealth in order to confirm his covenant, he swore to your ancestors as it is today. You can't miss that last part. In order to confirm his covenant with you. It's not so that you can establish your, your mighty fortress, your mighty throne and say, look at me, notice me. You know, don't you want to know me? But to confirm his covenant. We have so, so much to be thankful for. He just keeps on giving, doesn't he? Keeps on giving. He keeps on providing. And as you look to the word of God, it reminds us many times over that our hope, our dependence, our, ex our success is not based in that wealth, but in the Lord our God. And you look around and, and I understand that times are tough. And, you know, people have portfolios and things that they've invested in, in funds, for example, and, and time. But here the word encourages us, don't depend on those things. And Paul, the apostle, tells young Timothy, instruct those who are rich in the present age to not be arrogant or to set their hope on the uncertainty of wealth, but on God who richly provides us with all things to enjoy. Instruct them to do what is good, to be rich in good works, to be generous and willing to share, storing up treasure for themselves as a good foundation for the coming age so that they may take hold of what is truly life. That's in 1 Timothy 6, 19, that they may take hold of what is truly life. You know, sometimes we, we miss that mark. Sometimes we misstep and sometimes God has to bring us through wilderness-like experiences so our heart may be refined and set ablaze with a faithful devotion and obedience to the Lord our God, who's that author and sustainer of faith and life itself. This is something that he's been showing me. There are times that I take you through the wilderness to set your heart ablaze and dependence on me. And so we're gonna, for a brief amount of time here at least, go through Deuteronomy 8 and Numbers 13. We'll uncover the, the cultural context of the Israelites' journey through a similar wilderness and the challenges that they faced but I believe that we will, from this narrative, draw biblical wisdom that underscores the importance of embracing gratitude, internal transformation, and unity amongst ourselves, and don't miss this part, en route to our place of destiny. We all have a place of destiny. The word says he's continued to do a, a good work in you and he's faithful to do it. You are on route. You are situated in Christ. He's in the driver's seat because he's the author and perfecter of our faith. But you're on route. He's, he's moving within you. You're, you're being transformed to reflect his, his goodness, his likeness day by day. And as we look to these areas of scripture, we'll then uh, finish our journey together, hopefully, in John 17, 11, that offers a blueprint for maintaining unity and purpose in the midst of the life challenges that we face. 
And so Deuteronomy chapter 8, verse 1, it says this. Carefully follow every command I am giving you today so that you may live and increase and may enter and take possession of the land the Lord swore to your ancestors. Remember that the Lord your God led you on the entire journey these 40 years in the wilderness so he might humble you and test you to know what was in your heart, whether or not you would keep his commands. He humbled you by letting you go hungry, then he gave you manna to eat, which you and your ancestors had not known, so you might learn that man does not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of the Lord. Your clothing did not wear out, and your feet did not swell these 40 years. Keep in mind that the Lord your God has been disciplining you, just as a man disciplines his son. So keep the commands of the Lord your God by walking in his ways and fearing him. For the Lord your God is bringing into a land, a land with streams, springs, deep water sources, flowing in both valleys and hills, a land of wheat, barley, vines, figs, and pomegranates, a land of olive oil and honey, a land where you will eat food without storage, where you will lack nothing, a land whose rocks are iron and from whose hills you will mine copper. And when you eat and are full, you will bless the Lord your God for the good land he has given you. That last part, and you will bless the Lord your God for the land that he has given you. I so love and appreciate when he says, when you walk in the ways, when you keep his, his commands before you as your GPS, so to speak, that you're going to walk in a place of, of a provision, that the providence of the God will see that you'll have no need for storage. You're going to be living in a time and a place of abundance where you lack nothing. And what blows my mind is this falls completely well ahead of the arrival of Christ and what he would accomplish on the cross and secure for all who believe upon his name. If that's abundance, just think about the abundance that we have through Christ Jesus. Amen. Amen. This understanding, I believe, that we can, we can walk away here today with this a deeper gratitude of what we have through Jesus. Look at Numbers 13 for a moment as we understand this wilderness experience. In verse 26, it says this, uh, there were these men that were sent by Moses to scout out the promised land. They were in Canaan. And it says these men went back to Moses and Aaron and the entire Israelite community in the wilderness of Kadesh. And they brought back a report for them in the whole community and they showed them the fruit of the land. Then they reported to Moses, we went into the land where you sent us. Indeed, it is flowing with milk and honey. And here is some of the fruit. However, and you gotta, you know, this happens to us so often. There's always a however in the room. However, the people living in the land, they're strong. And the cities are large and fortified. We also saw the descendants of Anak there. The Amalekites are living the land of the Negev. The Hittites, the Jebusites, and Amorites live in the hill country, and the Canaanites live by the sea along the Jordan. So you can see they're getting nervous. They're getting anxious. 
And then Caleb quieted the people in the presence of Moses and said, let's go up now and take possession of the land because we can certainly conquer it. But the men who had gone up with him responded, we can't attack the people because they're stronger than we are. So they gave a negative report to the Israelites about the land they had scouted. The land we passed through to explore is one that devours its inhabitants and all the people we saw in it are men of great size. We even saw the Nephilim there. The descendants of Anak have come from the Nephilim. To ourselves, we seem like grasshoppers and we must have seemed the same to them. Now park that for a moment, this, this conversation that's happening. And thank God that Caleb spoke up. But just for a moment, this, this background is so important. The Israelites had been freed from slavery in Egypt. They'd been on a journey. And they now stood on the brink of the very promised land that God swore the, is it their ancestors, I will bring you to this place. And their journey to this point through the wilderness had revealed both challenges, as we read through the scripture, and also blessings. We're told in verse 2 that they spent 40 years in that desert because of God's loving discipline. 40 years. The purpose was to sift out from a generation the hindrances of, of idol worship and other practices in which they had put God out from their hearts, so to speak, while also strengthening their dependence and obedience on the Lord, their God. And this, this theme, it, it reiterated, we see here in Deuteronomy uh, 8, verse 1, that it says, follow after everything God has spoken to you or commanded you, and you will live and increase in the land the Lord swore to your ancestors. Think about that last part of that verse for a moment. Swore to your ancestors. This is the very nod and call of promise of God to Abraham. A whole generation had decided they didn't want God's plan. They maybe thought they could do better somehow, although they couldn't provide them for themselves. After 15 days, they ran out of food when they first left Egypt. And of course, they turned to their leaders and who do you think Moses and Aaron turned to? They turned to the Lord, their God. But this new generation needed to learn God was going to work through this, this second generation. And he was reminding them of this covenant promise that again is linked to this obedience and faith in the Lord. And to really emphasize for them that he's one who provides. God it appears out of miraculously out of thin air. He brought this provision of food that they called manna. And it wasn't this disgusting, you know, Nutrisystem type of thing. Okay, I don't know if anyone's on Nutrisystem. If you are, I apologize. But it actually tells us in Exodus 16.31, and forgive me, I forgot to put it in my notes, but that's the reference that it says it was sweet. It tasted good and it was in like a wafer type of form. And they called it manna. Manna. Wow, the sweet substance. You know, God, he wants, to, he wants to move in our midst that we can say how sweet it is to be loved by you. <laughs> Just let that sink in for a minute. 
right? right? You get it now. How sweet it is. But at the end of the day, a lot of times when we go through challenges, we go through wilderness experiences, we can easily forget who helped bring us through that season in that valley. And here, they can make no mistake, they couldn't provide this for themselves. And so this generation would come to learn that their abundance, their success, their increase, as it is with us, depends on God. You ever had an opportunity where you know that you really need a breakthrough? And all these things just seem to come together so perfectly. And that's God. And do you thank him when those things happen? Or do you kind of brush on the shoulder and be like, yeah, you know, I'm a miracle worker. You know, I can roll up my sleeves, so to speak. This reminder echoes forward to us to today. Have you thanked God lately? Have you thanked him for all the good and provision that he has given you? You know, last night when I had... Uh, finished preparing the message for today, I, I sat back in my chair and I was thankful because it was only 10.20. And I sat back and looked at my office and as this, putting to practice, I just thank God. I said, God, I, I thank you for what you've provided. It's more than material things, okay? I'm just, I'm just the blessing of being present and, and being in the place that God has given me and my family and to enjoy it for a moment. So at 10.20, I kicked back and just began to pray. And I just, just felt like the, the oil of the Lord, similar to this manna, just resting upon me, reminding me that he's responsible for all the good, the goodness in my life. And to encourage you this afternoon that he's responsible for it all, for all the good. And we need to give him the praise, amen? It's a lifestyle, though. This gratitude is a lifestyle, but point number one, we're probably going to get through point number one. It's also a weapon of choice. Has anyone ever told you that gratitude can be a weapon? You know, we know we're in a spiritual warfare. It says that we're to, to stand with the, the full armor of God against the schemes of the enemy. And one of the great weapons that we have is gratitude for what the Lord has given us when the enemy is at the gates and he's wreaking hellfire on your life. And it's easy to become bitter. But the greater challenge is practicing this lifestyle of gratitude. Back to Deuteronomy 8.10. But as we see the context, when you eat and are full, you will bless the Lord your God for the good land he has given you. Land is meant to be more than just a material place in time. It represents all the areas in which he's worked in your life. The word bless here in the language of Hebrew is the sense of speaking favorably, baraka, from a place of favorable praise and worship. So by knowing that that's the sense of the word bless here, the biblical wisdom for us to glean here today is that gratitude is not just an occasional response, it's a place of praise, it's a place of worship. You ever notice when you come into the house of God or, or wherever you are and you maybe you put on some worship music, again, it's not about the song, but it's a, it's a form of means in which we enter the presence of God and in that place as you sing, as we sing holy forever, there's a change in your spirit, isn't there? You come in one way, but you leave different. 
Whatever you're facing, it's as if the Lord is speaking to you, moving upon you, and you can sense his tangible presence as you cultivate this, this heart and gratitude of praise and worship. I remember so many times as a young kid, I don't know why, I think I'm all about visuals too, um, back at full gospel days, and I'm thinking of this, Carl, because you're here today, and Isabel as well, so good to have you with us. And the place would be all decorated and, and uh, you know, with all the Christmas trimmings and such. And I just remember Carl and team just, just giving it, even in practice, <laughs> in practice. But they, but they had a, this lifestyle of, of praise and worship. It wasn't just, okay, service has started, now we're really going to mean it. <laughs> he, was, he was giving it. And, you know, he modeled one generation to another. You caught that, Don. One generation to another, amen. Here the Lord is working the people of Israel, a second generation. One generation had given up, become bitter and hostile, even after everything that God had brought them through. But God was saying, I'm gonna work through the second generation. I'm gonna work in them. They will keep my word. They will keep my commands and they will live in abundance and they will bless my name. They will bless my name. We're told in 1 Thessalonians 5.18, give thanks in everything for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. This is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. And I haven't forgotten, it's also a weapon. It's this powerful weapon against that fear and that, that discontentment, acknowledging God as the provider of all things when we're facing the nitty-gritty, the most desperate areas of our life because we know where the attack and the words of the negative voices are coming from. It's never the angels of the Lord. It's never his warring angels. It's Lucifer and his ministering demons, as if you can call them a ministry. They're, of, they're ministers of evil. But 2 Corinthians 10, 4, speaking of this blessing of abundance, it says, since the weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh, but are powerful through God for the demolition of strongholds, we demolish arguments and every proud thing that is raised up against the knowledge of God, and we take every thought captive to obey Christ. In that place of worship, in that gratitude, that lifestyle of praise and worship, as we gather in his name, we demolish those strongholds. But the enemy of our souls, he wants us just to go through the motions, you know, kind of just strumming and just being liturgical, where it doesn't hit the heart, it doesn't impact life and spiritual formation. And here we see back in Numbers 13, to bring it full circle, the 12 spies who were sent, they've brought the report of the abundance, but they're focused in the challenge. They're, and in many respects, they're willing to live on the outside of the promised land. They're willing to allow that stronghold to remain. But then Caleb, thank God for Caleb, that he stands up and says, we can take that land. Amen. Amen. We can take that land. Land. And I couldn't help but think, you know, fear, it can grip us all. It can put us into this worldly submission, operating from a, a prisoner men mentality, so to speak, than a, the conqueror mentality like we see with Jacob, or sorry, Caleb. But here, Caleb is showing us that this can only happen when we take our eyes 
off the prize that God has given us. What has God spoken in your life? What are the good things that he said he's bringing you to? You know you're thankful for your salvation. You know you're thankful for your rescue. You know you're thankful that you're being sanctified by his spirit to become more like Christ. And in all of that en route, he's spoken to your heart of things he's called you to do and he wants to bring you to that place of destiny, but you have to overcome these potential challenges along the way. When you take your gaze off Jesus, you can get into a perpetual cyclone of fear and doubt. Keeping our eyes on the prize. I couldn't help but think of Hebrews 12, one through two. You hear it so much, but I believe it is so important to, to, to meditate on it, to memorize it. And we're told in Hebrews 12, one to two, therefore, since we are surrounded by a great cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every hindrance and every sin that so easily ensnares us and let us run with endurance the race that lies before us, keeping our eyes on Jesus the pioneer and perfecter of our faith. There is no other person we are supposed to fix our gaze upon. For the joy that laid before him, he endured the cross, despised the shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God so that you can walk on the trail that he has blazed for you to walk in that land of blessing and promise and bless his name when you're facing challenges. And Caleb shows us in the midst of this group that it's important that we listen to the right outlook. You know, right here in verse 30, it says again for emphasis, Caleb quieted the people in the presence of Moses and said, let's go up now and take possession of the land because we can certainly conquer it. I wonder who in the group heard, but because of who was around them didn't act on what Caleb was affirming. There comes a time where we as people of God, we need to follow the voice of the Lord and what he's speaking over us, even if the rest of the group doesn't want to do it. Let's go up now and take possession of the land. The Lord was speaking so vividly to me in my, in my heart of hearts is saying, Andrew, the time is now. You're not guaranteed tomorrow. The time is now to walk in my authority, to go and to speak life, to speak truth, to see as, as Carl shared, you know, we, we desire to see, you know, the, the, the spirit of God move in our midst and the, the, the dead raised and the, and the sick healed. But there's times that we can give way because of the, the naysaying of the crowd. I want to encourage you today to have a, an attitude of gratitude and it's a lifestyle that takes time to, to hone in. But just imagine for a moment the God who brought the Israelites out of Egypt and all the things that he did in their midst. 
That same God who brought them to the promised land is the one who rose Jesus Christ from the dead. And scripture says, if he, if the spirit who raised him from the dead lives in you, he will give life to your mortal body. That life is more than just a resurrection day for a day to come the day of the Lord. It's for now to bubble up and to see you walk in authority and power in all of his ways. My wife's here in the back and she's thankful that she's seen the power of God at work in my life. And there's a lot of other areas in which I am thanking the Lord for the work that he's doing. But it's always a process. The enemy of our souls wants us to enter that negative space to think that we're like mere grasshoppers. Mere grasshoppers. You know what grasshoppers, they can't fly. You know, they can, they can hop from like limb to limb. They have limited amount of flight, but the scripture says that he gives strength to the faint and strengthens the powerless. Youths may become faint and weary. Young men may stumble and fall, but those who trust in the Lord will renew their strength, will soar on wings like eagles, and they will run and not become weary. They will walk and not faint. By faith in Jesus, we can mount up and soar. I'm fighting within myself to do the whole flap and eagle call but we can soar. It's in that time and that place when Caleb spoke up, he, I believe he ticked off Satan. This, this Caleb wants to soar. I thought I had them. I thought I had them in a place where they don't want to enter the land. Thank God for the Caleb's in our life. I want to encourage you today that the Lord would speak to you that you would be a Caleb that when you see the obstacles, when you see the, the strongholds, you would say, if our God is for us, like we saying, who can be against us? First John 4, 4, you are from God, children, and you have conquered them because the one who is in you is greater than the one who is in the world. And this is what the apostle Paul, we looked at the last few weeks, was emphasizing. He says in Galatians 2, 20, I've been crucified with Christ. I no longer live, but it's Christ who lives in me. And therefore the life I now live in the body. I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. So we can take that. I believe it must have been working in the heart of Caleb, recognizing his destiny, our destiny, does not lay in the hands of giants it's not in those strongholds. But we can say, Lord, my life is in you. I am not my yesterday. My life is in you. I am not my sin. I am justified, righteous through faith. Lord, my life is in you. I thank you for your grace. And as you thank him, what does he say? He says, I'm gonna bless you. I'm gonna bless you. And I so appreciate what Carl really sensed in the spirit to to you know, select the songs he led us in today, that holy forever song. Psalm 34 verse 17 says this, the righteous cry out and the Lord hears and rescues them from all of their troubles. Amen. He rescued you from all your troubles. I've been in a heap of trouble throughout my life of varying degrees. You, you, you know what I'm talking about. We've all been there and he hears us. He hears us, and it's in that place of those wilderness experiences that he brings us to a place of praise and worship, of gratitude, 
in transformation. Transformation. Point number two is I, I bring this to a close. Renewal revolution. Renewal revolution. Renewal is what the Christian walk is all about. Life transformation by the power of the Spirit. Day by day we're being transformed to be more like Jesus. My, one of my favorite verses in 2 Corinthians 3.18 says this, we with unveiled faces are looking as in the mirror at the glory of the Lord and are being transformed in the same image from glory to glory. And this is from the Lord who is Spirit. And the devil is about inter uh, interrupting this wonderful work. By definition, re re uh, renewal refers to the instance of resuming something after an interruption. And what I can appreciate about that is every time that the, the enemy of our souls, Lucifer the devil, seeks to interrupt the renewal process, we can begin once again because Christ is situated, that we're living in him. He is with us. And as the enemy causes an uproar, that the lion of Judah's roar is much louder and greater and stronger than those venomous lies and schemes that come from his mouth. I like to picture him as a, a toothless lion because he can't grip into you unless you really let him. I mean, gums can get some sort of traction. But he's going to do whatever he can do in his attempt to devour the peace, that joy and victory that you so enjoy through Jesus. Have you thanked him lately? Have you thanked him lately as as the enemy of our souls, you know, roams around like a roaring lion, seeking to devour, to wreak havoc in your life. He knows who's for you. In many respects, he can only walk the perimeter because of the blood that surrounds you, that purchased your very soul. And he's just waiting for an invitation for you to open the door for him to come in. In the times of the wilderness experience, we saw it with a generation. Scripture reminds us, don't lose heart. But in the moments of great trouble and difficulty, humble yourself. And I close with this. 1 Peter 5, 6 through 9. Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, so he may exalt you at the proper time, casting all your cares on him, because he cares about you. Be sober-minded, be alert. Your adversary, the devil, is prowling around like a roaring lion looking for anyone he can devour. Resist him, firm in the faith, knowing that the same kind of sufferings are being experienced by your fellow believers throughout the world throughout the world. Humble yourselves in the mighty hand of God and he will exalt you in due time. Carl, I'm gonna invite you to come and to, and to lead us. You know, as we're united 
here together this afternoon and we were reminded of all the instruction of, of the word of God. I, I wanted to um, wrap completely as Carl comes in John 17, 11, that as we humble ourselves and, and, and practice in a place of gratitude and using it as a, the weapon of choice against all that we face, I appreciate Jesus' words in John 17, 11. He says, I am no longer in the world, but they are in the world. I'm coming to you. Holy Father, keep them in your name, which you have given me, that they may be one, even as we are one. In verse 22, he says, I have given them the glory you have given me, so they may be one as we are one. I am in them, and you are in me, so they may be made completely one, that the world may know you have sent me and have loved them as you have loved me. Father, I want those you have given me to be with me where I am so they may see my glory, which you have given me because you loved me before the formation of the world. Jesus' prayer for unity emphasizes this incredible importance and power as we're united in the testimony that we have, that as we maybe get caught up by the interruption that we can be Caleb's in each other's lives to not get stuck in it, but to stand up against those schemes and joining in faith as we gird ourselves with action, knowing that he who is great and operating within us. From a place of worship and praise, Lord God, I eat and I am full and I will bless your name. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, Thank you for your word. We thank you that you are with us. Lord, even the interruption, the springs against each one of us. We lo- Lord, we know that you're attentive to our prayers, to our cries. We know the enemy of our souls wants us to give in, to pack up, to think that what's ahead of us is impossible, that we dare not go through it. But Lord, we thank you for the promise of your word, the encouragement through your word, that you strengthen us, that as we humble ourselves before you, that you also exalt us in due time. Father, we thank you for the the Caleb's that work in our life, the ones that you've put in our inner circles and the friendships and part of the family of God. I ask in Jesus' name that you will continue to awaken people like that with that kind of spirit within our assembly. Lord, as we move, that we will believe that we can break and see strongholds removed, mountains moved, as we trust in your wonderful name. Holy Spirit, stir us as we praise you, as we worship you. You can do what seems impossible. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. As Carl played.